Zion's Redemption Radio. This is Fundamentally Mormon. I'm your host, Mark Lichtenwalter. The guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. You can find this at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon. And the text will also be posted on my Facebook wall at facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z-U-R-U-S 1977. You can also find the text and the audio to this radio program on iTunes at Fundamentally Mormon and in the different Facebook groups that I am an admin of. Some of those groups are LDS Last Days Prophecy and Gospel Discussions, LDS Gospel Mysteries, Latter-day Unity, and others. You can find the pages that I admin also on my Facebook wall. And if you enjoy this program, please friend request me or follow me and uh, make me one of your close friends. We try to put out as many episodes as we can during the week. But I'm thankful for you to be here today. Let's get right into the reading today. We are going to be reading out of Ogden Kraut's books. You can find his books for free to read online at ogdenkraut.com. That's O-G-D-E-N-K-R-A-U-T.com. That's O-G-D-E-N-K-R-A-U-T.com. And this is episode 491 of Fundamentally Mormon on Zion's Redemption Radio Network. I'm your host, Mark Lichtenwalter. Uh, I put out an episode this morning, and that was episode 490, uh, and it's about the revelations between 1880 and 1890, but I am not seeing it on iTunes. Um, But you can find that episode uh, by going to blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon. It is there. I just, for some reason, it didn't upload to iTunes, and I don't know why. 
anyway, um, and I don't have time to mess with it today. Anyway, so um, we're going to be covering the next part. So I'm doing this this book in parts because um, there isn't chapters. It's basically there's parts, and I figure out, you know, where where the next part should start start and stop. And uh, well, that's what I've been doing anyway. So this will be part two of Revelations 1880 to 1890. And this part's actually going to be a quick one. It's not going to be that long, which is good for me because I am exhausted. Um, I drove all night. I drove tired last night because... My boss told me that I need to step up my game, basically, you know, and do the. And he, I'm like, he he actually said, "Oh, you use tired as being an excuse." I'm tired because I work at night. If you don't want me to be tired. Give me a day shift position or get off my back for going home early because I am too tired to drive. But I don't know how much longer this job's going to last with me. I, I'm so tired all the time. Like I, It takes me my full time. It takes me two days to off just to like get the rest I need. And like last week... I actually took Friday night to to Sunday night off. So I was, you know, I worked uh, Thursday night to Friday night in the morning. And then um, I was up, well, I went to sleep. And then my, uh, and on Fridays, my son stays home with me. And he, he let me sleep till around 10. And then I woke up. So I only slept for four or five, well, I think four or five hours. Anyway, but um, I can't remember what was happening, but I just, I am tired all the time. And um, I had a bunch of stuff I had to do Saturday. And by the time it got around to me having to go to work, I was just exhausted. And so I tried to sleep and everything. And then, um, let's see, it was around 10 o'clock at night. And, like, I was trying to, like, get enough rest, get take a nap or whatever, and get enough rest to where I could go in. And I just realized that I couldn't, and I wasn't going to be safe. So I stayed home, which is why I got in trouble. Because I'm supposed to work. Saturday night through Friday morning, well, Thursday morning. Anyway, so um, so the next day I went to church. Now, I've been to church two t- or two times in the last month. One was last or this last weekend, and the weekend was before that we went to church. And one of the women that uh. I've known since like 2016, I think. Like she came up to me and she says, well, you don't look as bad as you looked last week. 
And I said, what do you mean? She says, you look really tired. And I'm like, I am so tired. You don't even know. I'm tired all the time. And my boss last night, he had the audacity to say that that was my excuse. Yeah, I'm tired because I drive at night. Why wouldn't I be tired? Like, I slept pretty good today, but I'm still exhausted. My body hurts. You know, and usually I'm like, he told me before I could work, uh, if I just pulled a 10-hour shift, I would be fine. You know, so I'm like, okay, I can work from 5 p.m. to 3 a.m. And it uh, doesn't always work that way because I can't just clock out because I'm driving a truck, right? So usually I work 10 to 11 hours a day, sometimes 12 you know, but then when I come home between 10 to 12 hours and I don't push it all the way. So I worked 13 hours last night um, and I'll push it all. Well, it was 10 and a half or 12 and a half hours. But I was at I was at the shop at 430. So getting yelled at by him. So basically I did work 13 hours anyway. So I'm getting yelled at uh, at the shop by him because I because I didn't call in on Saturday, which I should have done, but I was like, it, it was late, and before I realized that I just wasn't going to be able to do it, not physically, not mentally, I would fall asleep, you know, and I'm not, fa- I don't like, fa- who likes to fall asleep in a truck where there's not a bed, you know, oh, I'm going to sit in the driver's seat and sleep on the side of the road and try to limp in, basically, anyway, but um, he says, oh, you, you oh, it was because uh, last week I had to go get my daughter during the day, which when, was when I was supposed to be sleeping, but she was sick. And so when I got back home, I didn't get up at 4 p.m. I got up at 5.30 actually, because I was asleep. I was, I tried to get enough sleep. So I went in at 6, and I was like, okay, I can do 6 to 4. I'll be fine. But then I got in trouble for coming in an hour late. Like, dude, I am not your slave. I am working my best to try to do the job that you want me to do. I'm safe. I don't have any accidents. I don't tear the equipment apart. I clean it out, you know. But you have me on the worst schedule. 5 p.m. to 5 a.m. is the worst schedule. But it's the only schedule that works for me. I get my family up between 5 and 5.30 in the morning. And help them get ready for school. And then I am dragging my butt trying to help, trying to do everything I need to do. Like yesterday, um, I was, I changed my uh, son's diaper and I was sitting on, on our couch and I fell asleep sitting up. And I woke up and everybody was gone because they just let me sleep. But that's the only time I get to see him during the days in the morning. 
I get to see my son or daughter for just a minute right before I go to work. And then my wife usually brings me dinner in the evening and I get to see her for like 10 minutes. And if I go in early uh, or if I go, if I try to get home early, then I usually just fall asleep and I'm going to see him at all. But if I, if they need me to like come and get a sick kid from school, well, I'm not working during the day so I can do that. That's why I do this. Partly, but it, I, they're, they force me to do this. And the other thing that really angers me, I know I'm going on rants today, but the, the, one of the things that really angers me is people who are new employees, they're supposed to start off in night shift, right? There have been multiple people who have started in, in the last year, and I've been working for these guys for a year this month who have started off and they go straight to day shift. No seniority or anything, but I got to I got to do night shift because um because I I'm, I'm the new guy in the company even though I've been driving for 25 years. Now what really it really angers me is there was this this lady named Amanda. She got her CDL And she never drove truck before, but she went straight to day shift. And there's been others like that that have have gone straight to day shift. And I'm like struggling trying to do my job. And you know, I like driving at night, but guess what? It's not easy to drive at night when your body is supposed to be asleep. And you'll get more fatigued throughout the week because it, it stacks up. The, the fatigue in your body stacks up. Anyway, um, I need to... Uh, I think what we're going to do today, since I have to get ready for work, and I think we're just going to... Uh, I think I'm going to let the reader program read... The program today because I'm just exhausted and uh, I am committed though I'm committed to so many stupid things that I should just say tell everybody to, you know actually what I would like to do is there's a new skill uh, port of entry open and uh, it was supposed to be done last year but it's still not done but they're looking for employees I have a degree, an advanced degree in diesel mechanics. I hate mechanic work, but I have the degree and I know how to fix things, right? When I worked for my last employer, whenever something would break, I would just fix it because he would be gone. I never got paid for fixing his truck, but I would fix it, right? And I've been driving for 20, well, since 95 was when I got my class A CDL, but... I started driving a farm truck in 94 and I've been driving, I well, 
class uh, commercial vehicle status, I guess. I've been driving since 1994. So I have all these years of driving with the exception of the time I spent on my mission and a few other short intervals, but for the most part, the whole time, been driving a truck, which is another reason I'm tired because I have over 3 million miles under my belt. But um, they're looking for people to work at the point of entry. And I'm thinking, you know what? I would love that job. Because every guy that I brought are pulled into there, if I found something wrong, give him a ticket. Be like my revenge for all of the crap I've had to put up with from all of the companies that I've had to put up with over the years. You have no idea how much crap I've had to put up with. I, I get yelled at because my turn times aren't as fast as other people's. And then... My boss yesterday, he compared me to the guy that goes 70 in a 50. And I was like, don't you even dare compare me to him. I will never be like him because I will never do what he does. I stop at the stop signs. I don't blow them. I I literally stop at the stop signs and then go. I'm like one of the only guys that does that. I, I usually set my cruise control right at the the uh, the speed limit, like when I'm going down the hill from the power plant to Huntington. And uh, the Jake brakes kick, kick on at three miles an hour over the speed limit. And then if it gets to five miles an hour over the speed limit, I physically use the brakes to slow down because I do not speed. For the most part, I don't speed on the dirt either. But now I'm getting yelled at. Why why are you 10 times? Because that's how long it takes if you're doing it legally. You know, and then the the speed limit in the yard uh, is 10 miles an hour in one place and 15 miles an hour in another. And guess what? I, I usually do like five in the 10. Because there's freaking potholes in the dirt. And it's rough on me and all of my aching body that's been driving a truck for 20 plus, 25 plus years. And it's bad on the truck. So I do five instead of 10. Because I don't want to break myself and I don't want to break the truck. So it takes me a little bit longer to treat the equipment with respect. Like I I told him yesterday, I was like, I drive that truck like I own it and I'm the one that has to fix it. And if it takes me longer to do a job, then that's how long it should take everyone. And the fact that I'm getting compared to the guy who uh, up at Huntington And I'm sorry, Jeff, I know you listen to these programs, but I don't want to be compared to you and you're setting the bar really high and guess what? I'm never going to be like you, Jeff. And and I like you and I'm not even trying to condemn you, but when uh, when my boss throws it in my face, it, it just angers me. Like, 
he's got all these uh, these shortcuts that he does, and he speeds and he blows the stop signs and you know he'll go seventy miles an hour in a fifty or sixty five in a fifty, you know. And I watch him the 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 sheriff's department here in Emory County. Like I've watched guys blow by the sheriff at five six seven miles an hour over the speed limit and they don't they they don't enforce the law and i asked one of my friends down here in emory county i said yeah i asked him about it. he says we believe in the spirit or the spirit of the law not the letter of the law and i'm grateful for that but like in town i drive 35 miles an hour on the dot going through town because that's the speed limit and there are pedestrians out and you never know, you know, especially at night, you get drunks, um, you get people who are tired, who are not paying attention and you do have pedestrians, you know. So I do 35 and I try to keep an eye on everything. And there's other guys that are, they're going 45 miles an hour through town. They should have their butts handed to them for doing that. But nobody says anything and they just do it. And they're lawless. They're lawless. And all of these people that run around and and they're doing 10, 15, 20 miles over the speed limit, you're lawless. I don't care. We're, We're supposed to obey the laws of the land, right? That's part of our doctrines. For the most part, yeah. Constitutional laws of the land. But I see people breaking laws all the time. They got their temple recommend in their wallet. And yeah, they're honest. They're honest. Okay, so that was my wife. Um, I got to get going, you know, because I got to be to work in 15 minutes and I still have to like get dressed. So uh, we'll be on Revel or we're doing Revelations uh 1880 to 1890 part two and we'll be on pages 12 12 to 17 and i'm going to let the reader program read it today because that's the way it is today thank you for listening everyone here we go revelations 1880-1890 Part 2, pages 12 to Revelation of June the 27th, 1882, given through John Taylor, Salt Lake City, Utah, Revelation given through President John Taylor on June the 27th, 1882, in Salt Lake City, Utah. It relates to the kingdom of God established in these last ace, for the promulgation of the principles of freedom and liberty for all nations and people responsibility and duties of all who hold keys and authority of the priesthood are defined. 1. Verily, thus saith the Lord, I have instituted my kingdom and my laws, with the keys and the power thereof, and I have appointed you as my spokesman and my constitution, with President John Taylor at your head, whom I have appointed to my church and my kingdom as prophet, seer and revelator unto and over my kingdom and to be my mouthpiece unto my church and unto my kingdom, and I will honor him, 
and he shall speak forth the words that I will reveal unto him from time to time by the whisperings of my spirit, by the revelation of my spirit, by the revelation of my will and my word, or by mine own voice, as I will, saith the Lord, and you shall listen to his words as my words, saith the Lord your God. 2. Thus saith the Lord God, who rules in the heavens above and in the earth beneath, I have introduced my kingdom and my government, even the kingdom of God, that my servants have heretofore prophesied of and that I taught my disciples to pray for, saying, 3. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, for the establishment of my rule for the introduction of my law, for the protection of my church, and for the maintenance, promulgation and protection of civil and religious liberty in this nation and throughout the world. 4. And all men of every nation, color and creed shall yet be protected and shielded thereby. 5. And every nation and kindred, and people, and tongue shall yet bow the knee to me and acknowledge me to be our man Christ to the glory of God the Father. 6. And my law and my rule and my dominion shall yet be known and extended to all people. 7. And now, behold, I speak unto you through my servant John, whom you have acknowledged and shall acknowledge as my spokesman. 8. Thus saith the Lord God, the maker of heaven and earth, the ruler of the universe, whose right it is to rule in the heavens above and in the earth beneath. Behold I raised up my servant Joseph Smith to introduce my gospel and to build up my church and establish my kingdom on the earth. 9. And I gave unto him wisdom and knowledge and revelation, and intelligence pertaining to the past, the present and the future, even to that extent which was not known among men. 10. And I endowed him with power from on high and conferred upon him the priesthood of Aaron and also the priesthood of Malchizedek, which is after the order of the Son of God, even the holiest of all, and after the power of endless life and administereth forever in this world and in the world to come. 11. He was called and ordained to this office before the world was. He was called by me, and empowered by me, and sustained by me to introduce and establish my church and kingdom upon the earth. 12. And to be a prophet, seer and revelator to my church and kingdom, and to be a king and ruler over Israel. 13. He was slain for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God. But he yet lives, and is with me where I am. 14. And now I speak unto you who are members of this council, and of my kingdom, and I say unto you, as I said unto my disciples of old, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. 15. I called you by my servant Joseph and by my servant Brigham, and by my servant John. You did not teach and instruct me, but I have taught and instructed you and organized you according to my eternal laws. 16. Yea, my constitution, and I am your God, and I will be acknowledged in my will and my word and my law shall bear rule in my kingdom, saith the Lord. If it does not, then it is not my kingdom. And then are you not my man, and under the direction of man, then it is a kingdom of man, 
and it is not of me, and I will not acknowledge it, saith the Lord God. 17. Have I not instructed you in all that you know, and is not this kingdom organized and directed by revelation from me? 18. Is it not called the kingdom of God? If, therefore, it is not my kingdom, why do you make use of my name and involve my authority and my aid? 19. Is this kingdom not called the kingdom of God, and his laws, with the keys and power thereof, and judgment in the hands of his servant, our man Christ? 20. And because I am kind and beneficent to all peoples, and because I have given to man his free agency, and have always maintained that free agency among all peoples, and have treated all men alike among all nations, and made the sun to shine on the evil and the good, on the just and the unjust, and have never controlled the consciences of men, think ye, therefore, that I have no rights, and will yield up all my authority to the dictates and caprices of wicked and corrupt men? 21. Verily, I say unto you, Nay. Behold, Satan sought to take away the free agency of man in the beginning for which cause he was thrust out of heaven, and has sought to introduce the same principles upon the earth, which principles are opposed to me, to my institution and my laws, and to the freedom, the welfare and happiness of man and by which principles the government of the United States sought to deprive my people of their free agency. And because men have been under the influence and power and dominion of Lucifer, and because tyranny and oppression and misrule, and anarchy, deception and fraud forever prevail? 22. Verily, I say unto you, Nay, and for this cause have I introduced my church and my kingdom that pure and righteous principles might be inculcated, and man, by his free agency, yield a willing obedience to my law. 23. For after this testimony and the rejection thereof, I will sweep the earth of evildoers, as with the besom of destruction. 24. For this is my right, and while man has his free agency, judgment belongs to me, saith the Lord. 25. And I will come out of my hiding place and vex the nations of the earth, because of their iniquities, their misrule, their tyranny, their oppression, their corruption, their murders, their adulteries and fornications, and all their abominations. 26. And because my servant Joseph, whose soul was pained because of their cruelties and oppressions, the injustice, fraud and corruption and the inhumanity of men, proclaimed himself the advocate of human rights, the advocate of liberty, and the friend of man. 27. And because, according to my eternal decrees, the free agency of men should be guaranteed to all men, I moved upon him to introduce into my kingdom certain parties not in my church, for the purpose of exhibiting unto my kingdom that I would still maintain the free agency of man and that I hold inviolate that principle, and will still maintain it to the end. 28. Think ye, therefore, that because they are thus admitted to a share in my government and my laws that they shall be permitted to break their covenants, violate their obligations, and reject me and my laws and authority, 
and seek to overthrow the kingdom of God and deprive my people who are contending for freedom, and who shall yet maintain it, of their agency and of my laws? 29. Verily, I say unto you, Nay. They may be admitted to the rights of representation in the manner appointed, after subscribing to my covenants and commandments, and have a full and free opportunity of presenting their views, interests and principles, and enjoying all the freedom and rights of this council. 30. But they shall acknowledge me and my laws in this council, saith the Lord God. 31. For my people's rights and immunities and free agency shall be acknowledged as well as those of all other people, and my laws and government shall be sustained, or I will not acknowledge you, saith the Lord. 32. I have invested you with the keys and power of my kingdom, and they cannot be bartered away to others. 33. Shall all men be free? Yes, free to do right. Free to express their sentiments and opinions and have a full, fair and free representation. 34. But no man shall violate his covenants, pervert my laws, subvert others' free agency, and trample upon mine authority in this council, saith the Lord your God. 35. Again, I say unto you, as I said before, henceforth do as I shall command you, saith the Lord your God. Even so are men. Note 1. Documentation for this revelation was taken from the private journals of the John Taylor family. Okay, so that was the reading for today, and uh, I have some time in the morning before I have to upload the show so that I can read this and give any kind of commentary on it. So I'm going to do that. If you're not interested in that, that's fine. Um, let me know how you like just uh, listening to the reader program that I have. That's actually how I listen to all these books when I'm driving, and then um, I'll read it uh, after I am a little bit familiar with it. But anyway, uh, here's the reading, my reading with commentary. Revelations 1880-1890, to Part 2, starting on page 12. Revelation of June 27, 1882, given through John Taylor, Salt Lake City, Utah. Re- Revelation given through John Taylor, President John Taylor, on June 27, 1882. Now, he'd been president since August of 77. Uh, well, that's when Brigham Young died, and he was the next president after Brigham Young. In Salt Lake City, Utah, it relates to the kingdom of God established in these last days for the promulgation of the principles of freedom and liberty for all nations and people. Responsibility and duties of all who hold keys and authority of the priesthood are defined. Verse 1, Verily thus saith the Lord, I have instituted my kingdom and my laws with the keys and the power thereof, and I have appointed you as my spokesman and my constitution. With President John Taylor at your head, whom I have appointed to my church and my kingdom as a prophet, seer, and revelator unto and over my kingdom, 
So basically, he's the steward over the kingdom. And to be my mouthpiece unto my church and unto my kingdom. And I will honor him, and he shall speak forth the words that I will reveal unto him from time to time by the whisperings of my spirit, by the revelation of my spirit, by the revelation of my will and my word, and or by mine own voice, as as I will, saith the Lord. And ye shall listen to his words as... As my words, saith the Lord your God. Verse 2. Thus saith the Lord God, who rules in the heavens above and in the earth beneath. I have introduced my kingdom and my government. So he's talking about the church and the council of 50 was actually the political portion of the kingdom of God on the earth. When that was done away with, the political portion went away. So when people say the church is the kingdom, they're not taking into account the fact that the church is the theological portion of the kingdom of God, but there is a political portion, which is the kingdom of God. And, and so when they say that, you know, the church is the kingdom, no, it's not. The theological portion of, of God's kingdom on the earth without the political portion of the kingdom of God on the earth is not the kingdom of God. It's part of the kingdom, but the church is not the kingdom. Even the kingdom of God, and that my servants have hither, heretofore prophesied of, and that I, I taught my disciples to pray for saying, verse 3, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For the establishment of my rule, for the introduction of my law, for the pr- protection of my church, and for the maintenance, promulgation, and protection of civil and religious liberties, or liberty of this nation and throughout the, the world. Verse 4. And all men of every nation, color, and creed shall yet be protected and shielded thereby. And we're on page 13. Verse 5. And every nation and kindred and people and tongue shall yet bow the knee to me and acknowledge me to be Amen Christ. To the glory of God the Father. So, Adam, amen, is God the Eternal Father, and he is above all, and the council of the Elohim, uh, which is the council of the mighty ones, or the exalted ones, or the gods, they are under his authority, and when we become, we're all under him, but when we become exalted, we join in with the council of the Elohim, we become an Elohim, so... Jehovah, everywhere it says the Lord your God in the King James Version of the Bible, if you go back into the Hebrew, it will say Jehovah Elohim. It means the Lord your God. It means Jehovah is our Elohim. But he is a he is one of the, the council of the Elohim under the direction of God the Eternal Father, who is Adam Amen. And Christ takes upon the name of Amen to honor the eternal father. Just like Adam, Adam, amen, that is Michael. Um, well, okay. Adam, amen, is the name of God, the eternal father. 
when Michael took upon himself the name of Adam, he took upon himself the name of God, the Eternal Father, to honor the Eternal Father. When Christ says that his name is Amen, it's the same as Michael taking upon himself the name of Adam and coming down upon this earth to honor the Eternal Father. Verse 6, And my law and my rule and my domain shall yet be known and extended to all people. Verse 7, And now behold, I speak unto you through my servant John, whom you have acknowledged and shall acknowledge as my spokesman. Verse 8, Thus saith the Lord God, the maker of heaven and earth, the ruler of the universe, whose right it is to rule in the heavens above and in the earth beneath. Behold, I raise up my servant Joseph Smith to introduce um, my gospel and to build up my church and establish my kingdom on the earth. So Joseph Smith was raised up by God to restore the gospel and the kingdom, two separate things, uh, the church and the kingdom, uh, or the political kingdom. That's why there was the Council of Fifty and all of that. And um, Joseph Smith laid the foundation for that, but it has not finished its completion. The completion of the building up of the kingdom of God on the earth is Zion's redemption. And in order for us to get to that point, we have to be obedient to all that God has commanded according to the Joseph Smith translation of Genesis chapter 9, which I've talked about on this program many times. Verse 9, And I gave unto him wisdom and knowledge and revelation and intelligence pertaining to past, the past, the present, and the future even to the extent which was not known among men. Verse 10, And I endowed him with power from on high and conferred upon him the priesthood of Aaron and also the priesthood of Melchizedek, uh, uh, which is after the order of the Son of God, even the holiest of all, and after the power of endless life and administereth forever in this world and in the world to come. Verse 11, he was called and ordained to this office before the world was, because Joseph Smith is actually one of the mighty and strong ones. So there's different levels of hierarchy in the heavens. You have um, God, the Eternal Father, who is over the Council of the Elohim. The Council of the Elohim chose Jehovah, or Jehovah, our Elohim, uh, as the Elohim for this earth, and under him is God the Creator, who is Michael, God the Redeemer, who is the Savior, and God the Witness, the Holy Ghost. Um, and it's kind of the same with the church hierarchy. You've got Jesus over the church, and you've got a first presidency, the prophet and his two counselors usually, and then you have a quorum of 12 apostles, and then you have uh, different quorums of the 70s. So you've got Elo- and, and Elohim over this earth, with Michael being the president and the savior as the first counselor or witness, and God the witness as the second counselor or witness. 
and then underneath them, and I know a lot of people think Jesus and Jehovah are the same person. No, they're not. That doctrine uh, began in the 1880s under John Taylor, and uh, but early church history and documents prove that Jesus and Jehovah are not the same person. Plus, Ether chapter 3, and I know I go over this a million times, but for those of you who have never heard this program before, I will repeat it. In Ether chapter 3, Mohanrei Moriankmar, or the brother of Jared, sees the finger of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is, you know, he sees Jesus Christ, and Jesus says, Never at any time have I shown myself unto man. Now, Mohanrei Moriankmar and the brother of Jared were after the flood. But before the flood, Jehovah walked and talked with Enoch face to face and with Adam, for that matter, and with others like Methuselah and others. And then after the flood, um, went around the time when, when Jesus reveals himself to the brother of Jared, Jesus says, this is my spirit body. And he basically says, when I come in the meridian of time, I will have a body of flesh, but I'm spirit now. Well, Abraham, like I said, around the same time period, sat down with with God and had a meal with him, with a and that that God with uh, two of his angels that came were resurrected beings. They were tangible. Um, some of those angels. That were resurrected beings, they went into the city where Lot was, and the people there wanted to have sex with them. Uh, you probably know the story. They were physical beings before the resurrection. Jehovah had dinner with Abraham. They had a meal of meat and dairy in the tent of Abraham. But around the same time period, Jesus is saying, this is my spirit body. This is what I will look like when I come in the flesh in the meridian of time. But then Abraham's having dinner with a resurrected being that has flesh, who is Jehovah or Jehovah or Elohim. They're not the same person. That doctrine that's being taught among the organized organization of the Corporation of the First Presidency or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is teaching you false doctrine. Okay, so I'm just going to continue reading. He was called and ordained to this office before the world was because like I said, he was one of the mighty and strong one, and there's 12 for each earth under the direction of the first presidency of this earth, who are God the creator, God the redeemer, and God the witness, and they are under the direction of Jehovah, our Elohim. So Michael's next step, because he's the father, he is going to become an Elohim, and Jesus Christ in the next eternal round will take 
his place as an Adam of an earth, and God the witness will take the place of a savior of an earth, and then another will be chosen, I believe it'll be Joseph Smith, to take the position of God the witness, and then there will be more who are called into the quorum of the mighty and strong ones, and then underneath them you have people like Abraham who are uh, the noble and great ones. In the in the pre and this is all talking about preexistence, but kind of I, I mean it's a reality now that these offices still exist. So anyway, he was called and ordained to this office before the world was. He was called by me and empowered by me and sustained by me to introduce and establish my kingdom, my church and my kingdom upon the earth. Verse twelve and to be a prophet, seer, and revelator to my church and my and kingdom, and to be a king and a ruler, ruler over Israel. Verse 13. He was slain for the testimony of Jesus and, and for the word of God, but he yet lives and is with me where I am. We're on page 14, and we're on verse 14. And now I speak unto you, who are members of the, this council and of my kingdom. And I say unto you, as I said unto my disciples of old, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Verse 15, I called you by my servant Joseph and by my servant Brigham and by my servant John. You did not teach and instruct me, but I have taught and instructed you and organized you according to my eternal laws. Verse 16, ye are my constitution, and I am your God, and I will be acknowledged, and my will, and my word, and my law shall bear rule in my kingdom, saith the Lord. If it does not, then it is not my kingdom. So if you get rid of the word of God or you do away with endowments or you do away with doctrine, uh, it's, it, it, fall, it fails. That's the apostasy. That's what happened to the early church. That's what always happens. Apostasy sets in and God rejects it, which goes right along with Doctrine and Covenant section 124. I think it's in verse 45. Where Jesus says, if you don't do what I say, you'll be rejected as a church with your dead. And that principle can be applied to everything that God has asked us to do. When we do away with doctrine because, oh, that was for another time. We don't have to worry about that anymore. Then we cease to be the kingdom or the church. And we find ourselves in apostasy. And if you wonder why... The church has not received any more. Thus saith the Lord Revelations. That's why. In section 124, Jesus says to build the temple whereby the Father can come dwell therein that he might restore that which was lost unto you or that which is taken away, even the fullness of the priesthood. So we have to build this temple for the Father to come to restore the fullness of the priesthood to the earth, which priesthood was not restored to that point. The fullness of the priesthood is the fullness of the Melchizedek priesthood. You get it by the laying on of hands, by somebody who has that priesthood, and then you receive the fullness when you've when you found yourself true and faithful, and the Father himself comes to you, 
either on a high mountain or because that's how it was done in the past or there has to be a temple if it's going to be a big thing and the and zion's going to be redeemed there has to be a place where the father can come to redeem zion to give the fullness of the priesthood to the saints and that had not happened that would have happened if the saints had been obedient in nauvoo but they weren't and they never finished the temple it was never finished brigham young did not finish it I don't care what President Nelson says. He can, President Nelson can get away with a lot of stuff to people who don't know the history. To people who will not read anything but what their church gives to them to read. Because the church covers it up. But you go back in the past documents and you'll find out that Brigham Young and others lamented that they had to leave Nauvoo and they hoped that in the future they were going to be able to come back and finish the temple. Except for one problem. The temple caught fire. And was gutted. And then a tornado came and tore it from its foundation and completely leveled it. When I went to Nauvoo back in the late 90s, there was a hole in the ground where the temple once stood. It was completely gutted by fire and torn to pieces by a tornado. Jesus says if they would have finished that temple, the Father would have come to restore the the fullness of the priesthood because there had to be a place built where he could come. But no, no Shekinah glory happened at that temple. And what is that? But like with the Kirtland temple, it was accepted and the glory of God rested upon it. Angels were there. Jesus was there. A bunch of different prophets came. That didn't happen in Nauvoo. Jesus also says in section 124, if they, if they were obedient, that God would use that place to restore the times and seasons, which are the Moedim of Jehovah, the holy days of Jehovah, and that this would be a place for the reception of revelations for the redemption of Zion. But you see in the, in the record, after Joseph Smith dies... You don't have hardly any more instruction. A little bit. I mean, we're talking about some of it, but but even Joseph Smith, he received that revelation January of 1841, and there were very few revelations after that. And Lyman White and others, they realized in 1843 that they had been rejected as a church with their dead. But you won't find that in the church archives because they have hidden it. They don't want you to know about those things. You're in a preparatory state right now. A preparatory state that had a whole bunch in the beginning, but over time, they've gotten rid of more and more and more. We don't have to worry about that. That was for another people. That was for another time. Well, the saints are just being tested with polygamy. Oh, it's not really God's law. 
and every excuse that they can come up with to tell you not to worry. Yeah, don't worry about the United Order. Don't worry about the law of adoption. Don't worry about plural celestial marriage. Marriage. Don't worry about the Adam-God doctrine. The church, the president, can never lead you astray. But Brigham Young led you astray in blood atonement, which is not understood by the majority of the saints or the anti-Mormons. He led you astray with the Adam-God doctrine. He led you astray with polygamy. He led you astray with Canaanite priesthood or the lack thereof. He led you astray with a whole bunch of stuff. But but the leaders of the church, the president of the church, can't lead you astray. Brigham Young was the leader of the church, according to church history, from the time Joseph died until 1877, longer than any other president has ever been president of the church. But these guys today will tell you they can't lead you astray because the president of the church can never lead you astray. But Brigham Young, even though he was president of the church, he led you astray. Seven deadly heresies. Really? (sighs) Sometimes when your eyes are opened you are pulled out of the dream that you had. And sometimes it's hard to handle. But you know what? When Jeremiah went to the Israelites, they wouldn't open their eyes to see the truth. To see the truth of of what Jeremiah, who was a true prophet of God, was telling them. They wanted to stay in their dream. They did not want to repent. And either they're going to open their eyes and be obedient or God is going to open their eyes and they're not going to like what they see. The same judgment that was on Israel is upon the Latter-day Saints. And you're still in your dream state. And you're like the Israelites of old who didn't want to open their eyes to see what was going on and they did not want to repent. They could have. You could Either you're going to open your eyes and be obedient to God's commandments or God is going to make you open your eyes and you're not going to like what happens to you. You'll get to experience the destruction of Israel and uh, and I'm talking about the Latter-day Saints in Babylon the Great's going to destroy you. And God will give them that authority. Because of your own disobedience. Verse 16. Ye are my constitution and and I am your God. And I will be acknowledged and my will and my word and my law shall bear rule in my kingdom, saith the Lord. If it does not, then it is not my kingdom. And then are ye not my men, are my men. And under the direction of man then it is a kingdom of man and is not of me and I will not acknowledge it, saith the Lord your God.
Section 124 received 40-something years before that. Jesus said then, If you don't do what I say, you'll be rejected as a church with your dead. The rejection was that they were rejected by the Father who wanted to give them the fullness of the priesthood. The rejection of Zion being redeemed on the earth at that time. The saints had to go into the wilderness and hopefully they would repent, but they they continue not only to not repent, but they continue to do away with the endowment, do away with the washings and anointings, do away with the doctrines restored by the prophet Joseph Smith, do away with the Adam-God doctrine, do away with rebaptisms, do away with consecration in the United Order, do away with the gathering of Israel, do away with coming out of Babylon and being a peculiar people. You're lying to yourselves if you think that you're not in Babylon and that you're not of Babylon. You make all your money in Babylon, you spend all your time in Babylon, you work for Babylon, the church uses your sacred tithing money to invest in Babylonian businesses. They push these vaccines that they invest in, Moderna and other uh, of these companies, they invest in them with your sacred tithing funds and then they gain an interest off your tithing and then they will they will tell you, um, well, we're going to build this $7 billion shopping mall down, downtown, but don't worry, it didn't come from your tithing. Well, how else does the church make money? How else does the church have the funds to invest in order to get the interest? It all comes from tithing originally. The church does not produce a thing to sell except for the gospel, which they sell very well. And it's dumbed down, shallow, milk toast state. They invest your tithing funds, your sacred tithing funds, to Babylonian companies. But one, for instance, these vaccine companies, they will take aborted stem cell fetal tissue. That's what they're making these RNA vaccines from. And the church supports them through investing in their companies. And they do it because they want a return on the money so that they can build the $7 billion shopping mall and tell you not to worry about it. We're not using tithing funds. They're using your tithing funds to make money. That's how the church got so rich. Verse 17, I have not instructed you in all that you know, and is not this kingdom, I'm sorry, have I not instructed you in all that you know, and is not this kingdom organized and directed by, by revelation from me? Verse 18, it is not called the kingdom of, or is it not called the kingdom of God? If therefore it is not my kingdom, 
Why do you make use of my name and involve my authority and my aid? Jesus is laying the smack down. And they weren't even that bad back then. I will stand in the council of judgment when these leaders that you follow stand before the Godhead. And I cannot wait to hear what the Father and the Son have to say to them for what they have done and what they are continuing to do in supporting these Babylonian businesses and thinking that they can just do away with with different parts of the endowment, do away with different doctrines. And I'm not just talking about the leaders that you follow today. I'm talking about the leaders that have changed things. John Taylor, he changed some things, or some things were, were changed in his time. Jehovah being Jesus Christ, we talked about that. Wilfred Woodruff, he did a lot of change. He got away. He got uh, did away with United Orders. He did away with the Council of Fifty. He did away with plural celestial marriage. He did away with the law of adoption. He did away with rebaptisms. They change a little here. They change a little there. Don't worry about that. Look the other way. Jesus is Jehovah. Lorenzo Snow does a little bit of change. Joseph F. Smith does a little bit of change. Heber J. Grant was so, so destructive to the kingdom of God and the church upon the face of the earth. That man, if he was a prophet, is a son of perdition. But I don't believe he was a prophet. He said that the heavens were as brass to him. And he had never received any revelation from the Lord. And he said that near the end of his life, but he made the word of wisdom into a commandment. And why did he do that? Well, the suffrage movement and prohibition were a big thing back in the 1920s. They wanted to be friends with the world. He sold, well, he didn't sell it. He basically put up church properties to uh, for collateral for a personal loan to create Grant Insurance Company, which made him a very wealthy man. And he put us, or the church, under the thumb of Satan, which you may not realize this, they're still under that thumb. I think it was Joseph Fielding Smith who, or maybe it was Ezra Taft Benson, who tried to pay off the loan that Heber J. Grant put the church in, in debt with. And the Securities and Exchange Commission, they, uh, they basically said, if you try to pay this off, we will seize the properties of the church. And that's, part, that's another thing that happened with uh, blacks and the priesthood. The revelation that Spencer W. Kimball got was from the government, not from God.
your tithing funds go into Chase Manhattan Bank for two years. After that two years, those tithing funds are released back to the church and they use your tithing funds to invest in Moderna and Johnson & Johnson and all these vaccine and medical manufacturing companies and Pepsi and Coca-Cola and every other thing that they can get their little fingers into. And then they take the interest from the tithing funds and they build the shopping malls and they buy up properties and they they do a bunch of stuff on the side, all, all as the corporation of the first presidency. The president of the corporation of the first presidency today is Russell M. Nelson. He's also the president of the church. Verse 19, is not, or is, is this kingdom not called the kingdom of God and his laws with the keys and the power thereof and judgment in the hands of his servant, Amen Christ? You should type Amen, A-H-M-A-N, up in your gospel library app and see what comes up. Verse 20, and because I am kind and beneficent uh, to all peoples, and because I have given to man his free agency, and have always maintained that free agency among all peoples, and have treated all men alike among all nations, and made the sun to shine on the evil and the good, on the just and the unjust, and have never controlled the conscience of of men, think ye therefore that I have no rights, and I will yield up all my authority to the dictates and the caprice, uh, caprice of the wicked and corrupt men. Verse 21 Verily I say unto you, Nay, behold, Satan sought to take away the free agency of man in the beginning, for which cause he was thrust out of heaven. We're on page 15. And is sought to introduce the same principles upon the earth, which principles are opposed to me, to my institution, and my laws, and to the freedom and the welfare and the happiness of man, and by which principles the government of the United States sought to deprive my people of their free agency. And because men have been under the influence and power and dominion of Lucifer, and because tyranny and oppression and misrule and anarchy, deception and fraud forever prevail, verily I say unto you, nay, and we're on verse 22, and for this cause have I introduced my church and my kingdom that that pure and righteous principles might be inculcated, and man by his free agency yield a willing obedience to my law. See, you're not supposed to be commanded in all things. God has given you his laws. He expects you to obey them. He gives you the free agency not to. But if you think that you're going to be exalted in the celestial kingdom when you don't keep celestial exaltation laws, you're so mistaken. God has given you a choice. You're either going to follow man 
like the prophet, or are you going to follow God? When the prophet goes away from God's laws and changes the endowments and the anointings and the washings and the gospel, he is not a prophet that you want to follow, no matter how much you love him. No matter how grandpa-like he is, you want to follow God if you want the blessings that God has to offer. And when a prophet does, does something that is against God's kingdom and God's gospel and God's law, he is not a prophet you want to follow. There can be fallen prophets. Prophets have led people astray in the past. I'm talking about uh, First Kings, I think. Balaam and Balak. Joseph Smith said that if a seer falls, he will continue to keep his gift of being a seer, but he shall receive his revelations from a false source. But the prophets and seers and revelators that live today do not have the fruits of being prophets, seers, and revelators. And they lie to you with stories about exploding engines and landing in a, a cornfield in Delta, Utah. And, and they're so brazen that they think you won't go and look it up. But you won't because most of the members of the LDS church, they will not because... They're taught the only truth that is worth learning is the truth that they are spoon-fed. And when you find out that President Nelson is lying about one thing, I mean, you throw God away, a lot of people do. They, they love the prophet. Oh, we're going to follow. And then they find out that the prophet lies to them. And instead of like saying, okay, well, this guy, we was wrong. We were wrong. They throw God away with him. The church has a bunch of people who have been members of it who knew that the Book of Mormon was true, and they knew that Joseph Smith was a prophet. And they had a testimony of the Holy Ghost to that fact. And now they're atheists. A lot of them are. They deny the witness of the Holy Ghost that they once had. That church in Salt Lake City, Utah, through its bad actions, is creating a ton of perdition. You cannot be forgiven for denying the Holy Ghost. If you maintain that denial to your death, if you realize that you knew that Joseph Smith was a prophet at one time and you were just angry at the church and you don't use that against God, you know, then you can repent. But people that have been given a testimony that Jesus Christ did appear to Joseph Smith and that Joseph Smith was a true prophet, 
they deny and then they deny that testimony because of whatever and then they die they don't have forgiveness this is the time for men to prepare to meet God this is the life that we have to live but judging God by the foolish actions of mortal men on the earth doesn't end and it will not end well for you anyway verse 23 for after this testimony and the rejection thereof i will sweep the earth of evildoers and will the and with the, the bosom of destruction verse 24 for this is my right and while man has his free agency judgment judgment belongs to me saith the lord Verse 25, and I will come out of my hiding place and vex the nations of the earth because of their iniquities. Now, what is an iniquity? said it before, I'll say it again. The definition, the definition of iniquity in Hebrew is that God, gave, God gives you the path to follow. He gives you the instructions. He gives you his commandments. And then you veer away from the path that God has given you which the church does when they do away with the endowments. I mean, the endowment when it was first given was an all-day-long process. The washings and the anointings were done in bathtubs. Walking away from plural celestial marriage is walking away from God's instructions. Walking away from... United Orders and the Law of Consecration is walking away from God's instructions. Walking away from the Law of Adoption and Rebaptisms are walking away from God's instructions. Walking away from the gathering of Israel to one place is walking away from God's instructions. When a prophet tells you that Zion is wherever the church is at, it contradicts former revelation and joseph smith said if they if they contradict the bible the book of mormon or the doctrine and covenants you have to set them down as imposters he said that in april of 1844 in the times and seasons right like a month and a half or whatever before his death you have it was a warning he had a little bit of time left on the earth he told the saints if they contradict these revelations they are imposters. Imposters. Jesus said in 1841, you'll be rejected as a church with you dead if you don't do what I say. Joseph Smith in 1844 says, if they contradict the Bible, the Book of Mormon, or the Doctrine and Covenants, you set them down as imposters, because that's what they are. They're imposters. When Joseph F. Smith said that Zion is wherever the church is at, did he give the church a revelation that Jesus said that? No, he did not. He made it up. He pulled it out of his hat because of the Reed Smoot hearings, because the government told him to stop gathering people to the United States so they had to come up with this thing. Oh, we're going to build temples and other places so the people don't have to come here. Oh, the gathering of Israel is wherever you're at. Just gather together in your own place and don't really gather anywhere. Even though 
<laughs> you want to read a good book? Go read The Gathering of Israel by Ogden Kraut. Or 95 Thesis if you want to know what the church has changed. Verse 25, and I will come out of my hiding place and vex the nations of the earth because of their iniquities, their misrule, their tyranny, their oppression, their corruption, their murders, their adulteries and fornications and all their abominations. Verse 26, and because my servant Joseph, whose soul was pained because of their cruelties and oppressions and, and injustice, fraud and corruption, and the inhumanity of men, proclaimed himself the advocate of human rights and the advocate of liberty and the friend of man. See, Joseph Smith was persecuted because he was a threat to the devil's kingdom. If you are a threat to the devil's kingdom, he will come after you in so many different ways. But if you're not receiving persecution... If you haven't had threats on your life for preaching the truth, like I have. If people don't try to destroy you because they're the servants of Satan and God and and Satan looks at you and says that you're a threat. You're not a threat. You're not a threat to him. The church today is in relative ease because they are not a threat the devil's kingdom because they've capitulated they've done away with so many things that they're no longer a threat to the devil's kingdom and he doesn't care oh he might you know some people might uh attack you or whatever but you're not like in the early church history satan called up his generals to destroy the church the federal government created an army, Johnston's army, to destroy the saints because they were a threat to the devil's kingdom. Wilfred Woodruff gave in to them. So did Joseph F. Smith, Lorenzo Snow, Heber J. Grant, big time. Wilfred Woodruff the, the morning or the night before he died. He was a keynote speaker at the Bohemian Club in San Francisco. The Bohemian Club is over Bohemian Grove. Do yourself a favor and type in Bohemian Grove and then watch the documentaries on it. Gadiant robbers and secret societies and combinations. And Wilfred Woodruff was the keynote speaker. The next morning, he was found dead. He was murdered. Arsenic poisoning. Brigham Young was murdered. They found arsenic in his corpse. When they were able to go back and test these things. John Taylor had arsenic poisoning. Wilfred Woodruff had arsenic poisoning. Now, I don't want to alarm any of you with that, that news and with this news. They wanted to know how the arsenic was delivered to them. Well, 
in the Lion House, there's a bunch of Brigham Young artifacts. And believe it or not, Brigham Young used to have coffee every morning because it's not against the word of wisdom. Or, well, it is, but <sighs> some people believe that hot drinks are, are like hard liquors. They'll teach you today that coffee and tea are hot drinks. But the but the revelation for the word of wisdom, in the revelation that says this is not given by way of commandment. So every morning, John Taylor and uh, Brigham Young, they had their coffee. It was served to them by uh, a guy, I think his name was Nephi Nuttle. I can't remember. I know it was Nuttle. He was, it was a secretary. They found the residue because the uh, when you put arsenic in uh, the porcelain uh, cups, it actually leaches into the the cup. You can't wash it out. That was the delivery method. But the church won't teach you about those things because it, it doesn't go along with their narrative. There have been there was another uh, president of the church who was going in for a routine checkup under the care of Russell M. Nelson, who was who died. Russell M. Nelson was the the physician that he was uh, being treated by. That was a long time ago, but it did happen. L. Tom Perry had the mildest form of cancer that you can have. He was completely healthy. He had thyroid cancer. Uh, within a month after, and within a month after uh, general conference, he was dead. He was a threat to the devil's kingdom. L. Tom Perry was. There is a division of good and bad within the hierarchies of the church. Gordon B. Hinckley, in his last speech, he lamented about how he wished that he could go among the people. But he has a security man that won't let him do it. There's so much truth that everybody thinks, oh, he was just joking. And like, he can only say so much, you know, and they threaten them. These, these Gadiant robbers that are in control of things, if, if any of them go forward, they will be killed and their family members will be killed. There's a woman living in Utah, I'm not going to say where, whose father was one of the heads of church security. One of these security men. He had a briefcase that nobody was supposed to go into. It was confidential stuff. Well, lo and behold, mom goes into it and finds uh, a journal of, of things and keywords. Very condemning stuff. According to the daughter, she threatened to go public with it. 
she was found dead and it was determined that she overdosed on insulin. The daughter told me that she was not diabetic and there was no reason for her to have insulin. But the corrupt cops in Salt Lake City, Utah, who are in the back pocket of the Mormon church, they ruled it as an accidental death. And then they threatened the daughter. She was in fear for her life. Because they could do the same thing to her. There have been so many people who have been offed by the LDS church. And because they are in control of the political uh, and the law enforcement and the judges, things are swept under the rug. They proclaim themselves to be angels, messengers of light, but they are the devil in disguise, wolves in wool suits, sheep's clothing. And because, according to my eternal decrees, the free agency of men should be guaranteed to all men, I moved upon him to introduce my kingdom into my kingdom certain parties not in my church for the purpose of exhibiting unto my kingdom that I would still maintain the free agency of men. He's talking about the Council of Fifty. You don't have to be a member of the LDS Church to be a member of the Council of Fifty. Brigham Young talked about that. And that I I hold inviolate the principles and will still maintain it to the end page 16, and we're on verse 28. Think ye therefore that because they are thus admitted to share in my government and my laws that they shall be permitted to break their covenants, violate their obligations, and reject me in my laws and authority, and to seek to overthrow my ki- the kingdom of God, my kingdom basically, the kingdom of God, and deprive my people who are contending for freedom, who and who shall yet maintain it, the agency there and the law and my laws. Oh, sorry, verse twenty nine. Verily I say unto you, nay. They may be admitted to the rights of the representation in the manner appointed, after subscribing to my covenants and my commandments, and have full and free opportunity of presenting their views, interests, and principles, and enjoy all the freedom and rights of this council. Verse 30, But they shall acknowledge me in my laws in this council, saith the Lord God. Verse 31, For my, for my people's rights and immunities and free agency shall be acknowledged as well as those of all other people. And my laws and government shall be sustained, or I will not acknowledge you, saith the Lord. Verse 32, I have invested you with the keys and the powers of my kingdom, and they cannot be bartered away to others. Verse 33, 
Shall all men be free? Yes, free to do right, free to express their sentiments and their opinions and have a full, fair, and free representation. Verse 34, But no man shall violate his covenants, pervert my laws, subvert others' free agency, and trample upon mine authority in this council, saith the Lord your God. The fundamentalists want to live God's laws, and the church goes after them. But they say that the Articles of Faith will say, you know, we allow all men the right and privilege to worship God, how, where, and what, whatever. What they should say is, except for those that believe in Joseph Smith, who practice the fundamental foundation of the Restoration and the laws thereof, which we say you're not allowed to live anymore. If they do that, they're not allowed to freely worship how, where, and what, the, whatever. They will come under condemnation. They'll be called heretics and apostates, and the church and the government will go after them. Page 17, verse 35. And again, I say unto you, as I said before, henceforth, do as I command you, saith the Lord your God, even so. Amen. Note one documentation for this revelation was taken from the private journals of the John Taylor family. So that's the program for today. I really wish people would wake up and realize the awful situation that they are in and repent and come out of Babylon and come out of the church that is in apostasy. So I guess that's the end of the program for today. Uh, When we come back on, we'll be continuing on with part three of Revelations 1880 to 1890. If you can't wait, you can go to ogdenkraut.com and read this whole book for free for yourself online. Every last little bit of it is there for you to read, as well as a ton of other books. You can find it at ogdenkraut.com. Thank you for listening to the program, everyone. Take care. God bless. And goodbye.